Please pray with me before this message. Lord, we are so thankful always that you are with us. You give us wisdom, you give us knowledge, you give us insight. You guide us by your spirit. As I stand before my brothers and sisters, I pray, dear God, that you take me out of self. Allow me to minister to them, O God, with the message that you have placed on my heart. Give us all ears to hear and hearts to receive and spirit to respond. And when it's all said and done, may you be glorified in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. And the people of God say together, amen, amen, and amen. Most of you are familiar with the Bible story of Jonah and the whale, right? Yes, yeah. And I say most because we are living in a time when a lot of people, uh, you know, and children are not hearing these biblical stories, you know. And of course, you know, I say whale, but I know we talk about a big fish in the Bible. But there is a story I came across on social media. Last week I talked about social media, that it could be good and it could be bad, right? So there's a story that is trending on social media about this little girl and her teacher, and they are having a conversation about the Bible story about Jonah and the whale. So the teacher said uh, to the little girl, it is physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human. And the little girl looked at her and said, why? The teacher said, well, because even though whales are huge mammals, they have little throat, and therefore it is physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human. So the little girl looked at her and she said, well, I believe the Bible, and it said that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. So at this point, the teacher is becoming a little bit irritated with the girls, and she says, it is physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human. And the little girl says, well, when I get to heaven, I will ask Joan. So then the teacher turned to her and said, well, what if Jonah went to hell? And the little girl turned and said, well, you will ask him. What? You know, it's, it's some of that ouch. Sometimes you, you, you know, you read some things in scriptures and you kind of say, ouch, God, I really don't want to hear that. I don't really don't want to believe that. Does that really apply? But if we are Christians, we follow the teachings in the Bible. We follow the source of our salvation, Jesus Christ. And sometimes we hear scriptures and we say, ouch, I don't want to hear this. And this is what I think is going on in these scriptures today. We cannot cherry pick. We cannot say, this is what I want to hear because it makes me feel good. Or this is what 
I don't want to hear because you know what? I don't want to believe that. As Christians, we are called to this huge faith in God. And we are called to this faith that witnesses to God's work in humanity, in the world, through his son, Jesus Christ. So when we hear the text today, we are hearing a contrast between blessedness and woe. Good things and things that are not good, really. And yet, God is inspiring, God has inspired all of these messages, and God has a purpose for doing so. That purpose is that we could be reconciled, we could be restored back to God in this holy relationship that God intended for us to live before the foundation of the world. So we hear in the Gospel of Luke today, we hear about two groups of people. People that are blessed by God and people who will not experience the fullness of God. And the common denominator is the action, how we live, what we do, what we believe. So, so Luke tells us the story about Jesus, and it's very important to note the crowd and the people that Jesus is talking to. Jesus is, you know, he's talking to a multitude of people, but amongst those people, he has his 12 disciples whom he called and he has designated them to be apostles, for them to go out into the world to carry the good news of the gospel after Jesus' death and after his resurrection. And then in the crowd you have a larger group of disciples. These are people who are seeking to follow Jesus, and for whatever reason, uh, they are not in that 12, the group of the 12 that Jesus calls specifically for that mission. But they are disciples. They are seeking to learn. They are seeking to understand from Jesus all the same. And then Luke tells us that there is a multitude, a larger group of people from Judea, from Jerusalem, from further up north, from Gentile territory. You have people from the Tyre and the Sidons, and they all are together. And Jesus is about to give them some teachings about the kingdom of God, and teachings about God's grace and God's love. And and here they are, you know, in this place, and Jesus starts to talk about the blessed. He says, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And if you are familiar with Matthew chapter 5, you will hear about the Beatitudes. When you read Matthew, you you know, Jesus goes through a list of, of blessings, and there are no woes in these blessings in Matthew 5. And there are nine blessings that uh, Jesus talks about. These are the conditions of those who seek to follow God and to be faithful to God and to be obedient to God's commands. But Luke is showing us something else. He's, he, he is paralleling some of what Matthew says but he now includes, for the first time in his gospel, he includes, you know, the blessing and he includes the woes. He says, Jesus taught that if you are physically poor, you will be blessed. He also taught that 
if you are going through sorrow and difficulty and you're weeping, you will be blessed. He says, if you are hungry, you will be filled, you will be satisfied. So what was Jesus talking about? Luke thinks that Jesus was talking about physical conditions. Whereas if you read the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, you kind of hear the spiritual covering of Jesus talking about poor in spirit versus literal poor, your economic situation. And and why did Jesus say all these things? Could it be that in the crowd, this huge crowd, including his disciples, he had those who were poor in that context in the first century? You had the poor who did not have honor. You have poor who did not have status. You had poor who were struggling to put food on the table. You have this poor, you know, who were being oppressed by the Roman government. And as a result of all of that, their hearts were heavy. As a result of their situation and their status, you know, they were not experiencing the fullness of God's blessing in their lives. And then also in that crowd, because it was people from different walks of life, you had the rich. And back then, in the context of the first century, if you were rich, it was considered to be that you were favored of God. And take that on the other side, if you were poor, the assumption was that you were not favored of God. So in this crowd, you have the rich and the poor, and Jesus is speaking to both. Jesus is saying, woe to you who are rich because, you know, you have already received your reward and your blessing. So the question for us with this text as we hear it, one of these, ouch, was it about really? Was Jesus really talking about just uh, if you are poor, you know, you will inherit God's kingdom, and if you're rich, you will not inherit the kingdom? I don't think so. Because when I read everything that God has to say about how God loves all of God's people, it includes the poor and it includes the rich. But I do think that God has some expectation for us to follow as Christians. I do believe that the scriptures remind us that God says that we are to care for the poor. We are to care for the widowed. We are to care for those who are less fortunate, who do not have means, you know, to be able to exist in life. And God is looking also to the rich and saying that those who have, they are to share joyfully you know, with those who do not have. So what we hear and read in all of our texts today, I believe, is God's expectation of how we are to live in relationship with God and relationship with others. In Jeremiah, we hear about, you know, we hear the word cursed and blessed in the Old Testament. God raised up Jeremiah in his time 600 years before Jesus came on the earth. Raised them up with the message to share to the people of his time that love. God is, is a God who loves and God wants to bless God's people. And God wants God's people to return back to God because the people were focusing on their worldly living. 
They were focusing on pagan gods. They were not thinking that God is all sovereign and God could provide for their needs. So in raising up Jeremiah, God helped them to understand that there is blessings in store for those who are faithful and obedient to God's guidance and God's instruction. He says, you are so blessed when you follow God that you are like a tree planted by streams of water that brings forth good fruit in its season. Now, we are not trees, we are human beings, but I believe that illustration helps us to understand something about what God intends for us. When we are following God's word and God's guidance and God's instruction, something happens in our lives. Our lives become rich in God. We are able to understand humanity, our fellow human beings from God's perspective. We are able to see that what we have, whether it's a little or a lot, that when we share it freely out of love, then we are blessing others, and then God is being glorified in our actions. We here in the church, the United Methodist Church, when we unite with church, we make this promise before God and before the church, and we say that we promise to be loyal to the church and to uphold the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, and our witness. And these things are so important because they help to shape us as disciples of Jesus Christ. They help us to understand that when we trust God by faith with all of our hearts, with all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength, then we are inviting God to make us and to mold us and to transform our hearts so that we could receive the blessings of God fully upon this earth and share those blessings with others. Our witness is so important to others in this world. What are we witnessing to? We are witnessing to God that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that if we believe in him, we will not perish, but we will have eternal life. We are witnessing to the fact that when we proclaim Jesus on this earth, that God comes within us in spirit, and God lives God's life and God's intent through us. We are witnessing to what we read about God in the scriptures, both the Old and the New Testament. We are witnessing to the fact that God took on human flesh and God dwelt among us. We are witnessing to the fact that in Christ Jesus, God was demonstrating to the world how much God loved God's creation. When we witness to our Christian faith, we are witnessing that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary. And we be witnessing to the fact that at the appointed time, he was presented in the Jordan River before the prophet 
John the Baptist, that he was baptized. And he was baptized not because he had sinned, but he was baptized because he identified with human sinfulness. We are witnessing to the fact that Jesus proclaimed God's truth. He fulfilled God's word to the people. And in calling the 12 disciples who were later apostles, he gave them the commandment to go into the world and witness to the truth that Jesus is truly God. To witness to the fact that at the appointed time he died on Calvary's cross, bearing the sins of the world, all sins, And at the appointed time, three days later, God raised him from the dead. Physical body resurrected from the dead. Our Christian Christian witness is, is a witness that is powerful because it has the ability for every human soul to live life upon this earth in relationship with God. Does it mean that because we are in relationship with God, that everything is going to go smoothly? No. Because if we did not have the challenges, the trials, the tribulations, the testings of our faith, how would we be able to witness with conviction that God is able, that God is a suffering God, that God can work in us and God can give us peace And God can give us joy and give us hope in the midst of our situation. But then we cannot forget the other side of this message. And the other side of the message is that people choose not to receive the good news of God's message to humanity. And some people choose in their in their own will, in their own way, with their own wealth and riches, to be contented with what they have and to live for this world only. The Christian witness says to us that we are people on a journey, that this place, this earth, is not our permanent home. We are journeying to be with God in heaven. And in that heaven, God will shine God's light fully upon us. But in the meantime, we are to witness to our Christian life by our faith. And I believe that yesterday, when the church, members from this church and members from other churches, you know, because I met you know, a lady who told me her church is in the Heights and she's not United Methodist, And the the person that God provided the opportunity for us to serve, this 89-year-old woman, that is an opportunity for God to say, you are living the Christian witness. You are meeting the need of a widow. You are meeting the need of a person who is poor and unable to. And I had this conversation that I think is very important that we share. Oftentimes when God presents us with a need, sometimes in our human mind it's good for us, you know, it's quick for us to say, oh, there is nobody else to help? No family members? And this person has family members. You know, one is disabled, others are doing other things. 
And this person said to me, well, you know, it really bugs me that the family members are not doing more to help this 89-year-old family member. And I said, you know what? That does not matter. I said, what matters is that God brought this need before the church. And the church responded in love to this need. I said, and the thing about God that we sometimes miss is that when God blesses, God just does not bless just one person in the need. God will bless all others that may be connected to that person. So by you going out and providing that service on yesterday, you were witnessing to your Christian faith in love. And you blessed the 89-year-old woman, but you also blessed the immediate family. You allow them to see the love of Christ. You allow them to see that you can go to a stranger whom you don't know, and you could provide a service of love. We don't know how God is going to use your witness from yesterday to impact the other members in that household. But we are called to trust God in God's sovereignty, to trust that it's God who is at work in us, leading us and guiding us to good service. Now, I want to go back and pull together a little piece that I said to you before. I said to you before, rich and poor, does it mean that God blesses those who are poor and those who are rich are not blessed? No. God's salvation in Jesus is for everyone. Remember that. Because there are people who are rich in this day and time who are serving Christ, who are believing in the works of God through Jesus Christ. But there are some who are not. And there are some poor people today who are trusting God and believing in God and receiving the blessings, and there are some poor folks who are not. Only God knows our heart. Only God knows how much we trust and how much we believe. And when we trust Christ, and when we witness to all that God has given us through Jesus Christ in our lives, then we are able to say to others, look, I am sharing freely out of what God has given me. I am speaking the truth as I have received it from the Bible. I am sharing with you, even though I don't fully understand all of how God is going to work in this situation, I am sharing with you that this is my witness, that God loves all of God's people, and yet God has called us to this great salvation, that if we receive it by faith, and if we follow the teaching from the Bible, then we will experience the fullness of God's blessings on this earth, and we will experience it fully in heaven, in that eternal. But if we don't follow it, or if we take pieces and we, we tweak it the way we want it to tweak it, then we will not experience the blessing of God in our lives on this earth. 
And we will certainly miss out on the blessing of being in the presence of God in eternity. For Jesus says there are blessings and there are woes. It is our choice to seek the blessings that come through Jesus Christ. It's our choice to reject the woes that comes to us in our own flesh, in the worldly presentation, in false teachings, in false prophets. I don't know about you, but I am trusting and hoping and believing that you will continue to seek God's blessing upon this earth. And as you receive it, you will share it freely with those who I need. Because this is the purpose of our calling as the church, Christ Jesus. We are blessed. We are made happy in Christ in order for us to be a blessing to others. Let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that sometimes in your word, it's challenging to hear your truth. But I pray that you continue to write your truth upon our hearts. Allow us, O oh God, to continue to be your people, O oh God, upon this earth, who will receive and who will share freely out of the abundant blessings that you have bestowed upon us in Christ Jesus. And I pray, O oh God, that you continue to remind us that when we seek to live committed to you, God, that you will lead us and you will guide us and you will instruct us, O oh God, so we do not have to hear the woes of your judgment upon this world. God, we give you thanks and we give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory, God, in our lives. In Jesus' name, with thanksgiving. And the people of God say together, amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah.